It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. ...is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. So how many times do you pick up your cell phone? every day you may be listening to this podcast right now on your phone that's very common i have some stats about how much of our lives we're staring into these phones and i have some stats about some alarming information for you on a different subject spyware we've got to protect ourselves and of course i'm going to answer your questions as well so we were at a dinner more, a little bit more than a week ago with my wife and her parents. And we're sitting outside on a patio at a restaurant. And this large table seats behind us. They'd taken several tables, put them together. There were 16 people. Don't know how they all knew each other. But... I glanced over at one point and noticed nobody was talking to each other. And I looked, and 14 of the 16 people were staring at their smartphones. I hope this wasn't some kind of mix and mingle for people to meet somebody because all they were meeting was their smartphones. And this happens a lot that... uh, our phone will vibrate or we'll be wearing an Apple Watch or whatever and we'll get a zing and we immediately are looking to see what's going on. Well, this is becoming a thing that we are really disconnecting from where we are right at that moment because of what's going on with our phones. And according to research by Assurian, I think that's how you say their name. They're the people that charge those expensive insurance policies for phones. Anyway, they we're looking at our phones about 100 times a day. 100 times a day. Um, I have a teenager, so in his case, it's 100 times an hour. But they do this research every so often. And just two years ago, people were looking at their phones quite a bit less than they are now. And half of people said in the survey they were they were they had guilt about how much time they're on their phones. 18 to 24 year olds looking at their phones like 200 times a day. Now, why do people use their phones? There is one really good thing they're doing. They're staying in touch with family and friends. But also, be in the moment. I think about when you're at an event, how often people, instead of looking at the event with their own eyes, are trying to take pictures of it or film it or whatever. Maybe they're on social media saying, look where I am! 
but they're not really enjoying that moment of whatever event it is they're trying to show other people they're at so once you think about how often we're with somebody else and we're not giving them the attention we should you know years ago my wife said to me that I was paying more attention to my phone a lot of times than I was to our kids and that stuck with me and and I realized she was right and I've really changed my behavior and of course I'm not perfect far from it but I'm better about it and the thing that I've really learned is who I'm with at that time is who I need to be with at that time. If I'm with somebody physically in their presence, looking away and ignoring them to do something on my phone is not cool. And these phones, it's like, it's almost like a dog who's been trained to do this, that, or the other. Uh, something called Pavlov's dog, where you could condition a dog to do this, that, or the other. These phones do that to us, and it's up to us to overcome it. All right, let's get to this question from Patrick in Maine. Clark regularly talks about the expenses of investments and how they really hurt the retirement earnings. My 403B account is moving from one company to another, and the new account will go into the Fidelity 500 index with an expense of 0.02%. That's fantastic. Two one-hundredths of a percent. mm -hmm. There is a general fee of 0.1% annually. Do I calculate the expense by adding these together, making a total of 0.12%, or is there a fancy accounting to calculate the expenses? No, what you've got so far is accurate. What I want you to know is that administrator may be charging you other fees in addition to it that they are required to make available to you at your request or at a minimum four times a year. Uh, So it would be very unusual. I I see who you're using. I think there's going to be some other expenses that are going to be involved with your plan than the... uh, 12 one hundredths of one percent the 0.02 plus the 0.10 but you're well on your way to a better than typical 403b because the expenses of the investments are so low from will in california clark how much umbrella insurance do i need if one has a half million dollars of vulnerable assets and has a million dollars of umbrella insurance what is to stop a claimant to ask for two million dollars and perhaps settle at one and a half million the same sort of argument might apply if one has two million dollars of vulnerable assets and two a two million dollar umbrella while a claimant just ups the claim to cover everything accessible assets plus umbrella What is to stop a claimant from researching what's available and asking for it? This is a very well thought question, Will, and you're talking about moral hazard. So if you have a large umbrella insurance policy, does that then 
increase suddenly the injured party's injuries and suddenly they need more money. It is possible, but the purpose of the umbrella policy is to give you a shield against getting wiped out. And I told a story months ago about a doctor who had minimal liability coverage and had no umbrella, and his teenager was at fault in a bad accident, and they were wiped out. I mean, they were completely wiped out because they did not have adequate, even basic liability coverage, much less having an umbrella. Uh, The fact that it was a doctor is an additional factor of risk because your profession you're in is a signal to a lawyer that a case may be worth more money. But you cannot prevent or insure against every possibility. But in that case, the lawyer, the doctor not having any adequate liability insurance or an umbrella left the doctor's finances devastated. In your case, you've worked hard to develop half a million dollars in assets, as an example. And so having a minimum umbrella insurance policy of a million is a great idea. And as your wealth goes up, so should your umbrella policy. And yes, there is the possibility that that makes the lawyer just think a bigger target, but usually they're not going past what your insurance is protecting the assets that you've worked so hard to build up. From Chase in New Mexico, my wife's 401k says there is a withdrawal fee of $55 and a final distribution fee of $55. (sighs) Once she's 59 and a half and can withdraw money, will she get hit with a fee for every withdrawal? This seems like a massive tax. And you are right, Chase, and I do not like the 401k provider that your wife's employer has at all. They are a high-cost provider, and they love their junk fees. So at the point that your wife is ready to withdraw money, she should do so from this plan all in one fell swoop, let them rip her off with the $55 fee, and move the money to her own IRA away from this 401k. She will have, if she goes with one of the low-cost providers, because she's not going to spend that money all at once. You want to withdraw over time, and you do what's known as a trustee-to-trustee transfer, where the money goes directly from this 401k administrator to an IRA with one of the low-cost providers. There'll be no tax liability or anything like that. Then your wife will be free to withdraw, free of any fees, as she wants to pull money from the what would then become her IRA for living expenses. From Alicia in California, I received a large payout from a class action suit. I now have to figure out what is the best thing to do with this check. I'm interested in CDs, money market, and possibly investing, but I also wonder if I should simply pay off my remaining mortgage. I also have two daughters in higher education, both at University of California campuses, so I might want to have this money available. You can see my quandary. Please guide me, a wise Clark. Well, first of all, um, 
fantastic that you got a large payout from a class action. Most people don't get large payouts from class actions. And in this case, there's a lot of life decisions you can make with money that is a one-time kind of event that came into your life. I would really like you to go sit down with a fee-only fiduciary financial planner and go through all the endless series of questions they'll ask about your goals, your priorities, your current situation, and when you plan to retire and all that. Because it's impossible to answer the question you asked about should money go in CD, should go in money market, should I invest, how much should go in each thing. It's all based on taking this one-time windfall and figuring out how to use it most efficiently in your life. A place I would direct you to is the Garrett Planning Network, where you can hire on an hourly rate a financial advisor to go over your whole financial situation and give you advice on what they would believe would be the best plan going forward in your life. It's like going to consult with an accountant or a lawyer where you're paying an hourly rate. Don't fear the fee because I want to make sure you get the best possible advice from someone who a fiduciary is somebody who legally is bound to, to provide advice and information only in what's in your best interests. And it's much better to go see somebody you have to pay for advice than somebody who says they'll give you advice for free and then the answer to every question is investing in whatever they sell. Uh, I've got a question for you. Do you know about this plague of locusts called stalkerware? There are a ton of apps out there that you think are working for you but are working to harm you. I'm going to fill you in straight ahead. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's all kinds of mischief going on with apps on iPhones and to a bigger extent Androids, but both types of cell phones are being invaded by various apps that are malicious. It can be spyware, it can be malware, and it can be things that get in your wallet. You may or may not have heard about a scam that occurred with apps that made it onto millions of Android phones where people were scammed out of money and it's an ugly, ugly thing 
where people downloaded apps that then charged through their cell phone bill with AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile for services that they did not order, they did not buy. The best guess, according to a member of the Google App Defense Alliance, which is a group that's out there trying to make sure that people on Android phones aren't getting taken, 10 million people got hit with fake charges on their cell phone bills. And as I told you before about the fake charges appearing on cell phone bills, do you know most people get paperless billing from AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile? And they never look at the itemized bill. They just pay whatever it is. And so when a criminal has put phony charges through through an iPhone or an Android and they're billing through the cell phone carrier and you don't notice, you're out the money. A lot of the apps that have snuck in to iPhones and Androids are for innocuous kind of things where they're offering you some kind of um, specialized fancy calculator or something like that, uh, various things like that. And uh, a lot of the real problems, according to the personal tech writers at the New York Times, have involved things that collect all kinds of private information from you, recording your phone calls, uh, logging every keystroke you do, on your phone, getting your usernames, your passwords, you name it. And these things are hanging out in the background on your phone. And usually you don't know it's there. So what's the number one way you might know that somebody's gotten a mischievous thing on your Android or your iPhone? Your battery life mysteriously evaporates on your phone. Very possible then that you've got something on there that is a rogue app or function that is there to steal information from you all the time. Now, if you're using any of the things like I use Lookout on my phone, but there are several things like it you can use that will scan your phone and look to see if there's any malware on it, or what's known uh, in the general category as stalkerware, anything like that. And the creepiest of these are where someone who's a domestic abuser will apparently surreptitiously, they know how to sign into your phone, they will add an app that runs in the background that you don't even know is there, it's tracking your movements, everything you're doing, and the rest. I mean, this is ugly, ugly stuff. So one of the things I'm really thrilled that Apple did was restricting normal apps that are considered to be mainstream from collecting so much information on you, watching you all the time, everything you do. Uh, it's really convenient and popular right now to beat up on Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. 
And no joke, they are three of the worst offenders of a mainstream series of services that are engaged in wholesale massive spying on you. But because of the changes that Apple has made, you now can refuse Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp from permission from spying on you 24-7, 365 on your phone. So this comes in, in different flavors. You have uh, organizations that are just criminal, straight out in intent, and trick you into downloading something on your phone or clicking on something on your phone, on your Android or your iPhone. And then we've got the problem with the legitimate apps. In either case, you have power to do things to stop the problems. Um, one in particular, there was a big problem on iPhones, is one called WebWatcher, which downloads wirelessly a copy of everything on your iPhone. Everything on your iPhone. The funny thing is, Apple says it's not their fault. It's all your fault as an iPhone user, which I thought was a lousy answer. But there's a simple procedure for you to look and see if this is on your iPhone and is copying all your data. And I want to tell you that trouble comes from a number of different places, a number of different areas. Don't get overwhelmed and give up. And you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do everything right on your phone. But take steps to protect yourself. Most important thing to remove stalkerware is for you to do the updates when they're offered by Apple and when they're offered by Google. That's the number one thing you can do. And do not download an app that promises you you're going to win a prize or anything like that. Because instead of you making money, you're going to be losing money. Krista? This question is from Judy in Georgia. My Verizon cell phone has a virtual SIM. Are virtual SIMs as vulnerable to hacking as a SIM card? Yes, they are, Judy, because it's not the physical SIM that leads to the hijacking of your service. So what somebody's after, Judy, is they're after your two-factor authentication. So the key to making SIM hijacking work is where they convince, in your case, Verizon, in my case, T-Mobile, and somebody else's AT&T, that they convince the cell phone carrier that they're dealing with you, talking to you, and that you're moving your service, and they kidnap your service. So whether the SIM is a virtual or a physical, it does not actually do anything about the problem with SIM hijacking. And this question is from David in Ohio. We're selling our house and planning to build, which will take about a year given current conditions. I get to enjoy living with my in-laws during this time. 
will net about $650,000 from the sale, which we will put into building the new house. Where can we keep this cash during the year-long build to keep it safe and FDIC insured, given the $250,000 FDIC limit? Would three accounts at the same bank each have its own limit, or does only one limit apply to all our accounts at each institution? There are ways you can title accounts differently at a single institution that will stretch the 250 but a lot of times you'll be given advice by somebody well-intentioned at a bank branch that will not meet the requirements for multiplying the quarter million dollars of FDIC coverage. You can either open um, at multiple online banks accounts with no more, let's say, than 240000 to cover whatever interest you might earn over the next year, and you'll earn more at online banks than you'll earn at a traditional physical bank on the money. But if you're not really concerned that much about what you'll earn, particularly over the next year, you just want to um, make sure the money is safe. There's a process called CDARS, the website cdars.com, where it's a registry where they handle opening accounts for you with multiple financial institutions so that every dollar you have is FDIC insured. They've changed the name of CDARS to Entrify, but it's the same thing, and you can reach it by going to CDARS, C-D-A-R-S dot com. From Gene in Ohio, I get so much political mail and surveys, and I've been putting them in file 13. Oh, yes, they all want money, too. Do these surveys mean anything? Does anyone really read them? If one contributes to support their cause, does the money really go to where it's meant to go? So, Gene, when you get those political surveys, just read how the questions are worded. The questions are worded in a way that they're designed to infuriate you, create fear in you, and create a sense of urgency in you so you will give to the candidate or the dark money pool or whatever they're collecting money for. It is just a fundraising strategy. And no, no one ever looks at your responses to any of those questions. Does the money go where it's meant to go? It depends on who's soliciting you and whether or not they are, like if you're being solicited by an arm of the Democratic or Republican parties, like the their Senate campaign fundraising or their House campaign fundraising or something like that, you can be uh, nearly 100% assured that it's going to support electing uh, Democrats or Republicans to the House or the Senate. I mean, it really depends on who's asking for it. And there are so many organizations that are when I say dark money, they're able to collect essentially unlimited sums of money and use them uh, in political attack ads however they wish, whatever way they wish. And you don't have any control over that at all if you give. What I recommend is if there's a particular candidate who's running for office that you really like, you really feel confident in him or her, you're glad that they are 
running for office or already your elected official, give money to that individual's campaign for office, and you'll know it's going to fund their run for higher office or the one they're running for re-election for. And I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. Don't forget, you can win my money. Check out our contest at clarkdeals.com slash contest. I'm giving away cold, hard cash for you to spend any way you want. <laughs>